0: Genuine faith is a gift of God whereby he enables us to consider him as faithful that we might trust him and to keep us trusting him even unto death and that we would be readily trusting in him no matter the circumstances. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have granted us the gift of faith and as we continue, Lord, looking at... Faith from the perspective of your word, Hebrews chapter 11, teach us today, enable us to hear by faith, enable me to preach by faith, make us faithful, and we trust you to work. Praying this in Jesus' name, Amen. Please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 as we begin reading at verse 8 through verse 22. Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we continue in Hebrews chapter 11, we will uh, consider three things We will consider the object persistence and the invincibility of genuine faith. So first, the object of Abraham and Sarah's faith was God, whom they considered to be faithful. That is trustworthy. We see this in verses 8 through 12. For those of us who are married, we took vows promising to be faithful to our marriage commitments. Considering our spouse being faithful is one of the reasons that we have a relationship and should have a relationship of trust as husband and wife. And God's faithfulness to his people is the reason we are to have complete trust in him. How was God's faithfulness operative in Abraham's life? Look at verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed and when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. So the history behind verse 8 was read by Josh earlier from the last part of Genesis chapter 11, the first part of Genesis chapter 12. There Josh read about Terah, Abraham's father setting out from Ur the Chaldeans, a location in modern-day Iraq, to relocate his family to Canaan. They traveled up the trade route known as the Fertile Crescent, and they settled in Haran, and that is in modern-day Turkey. From Haran, God called Abram to go out to a land of which Abram had no knowledge But yet we know it's the land of Canaan. We also know that God was going to give that to Abraham as an inheritance. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Abrahamic promise and covenant. Abraham's faith, trust in God, was shown in verse 8 of Hebrews 11. And he went out not knowing where he was going. His faith was demonstrated further in in claiming that inheritance by building an altar to the Lord at Shechem. Look at Genesis 12 verse 7. He built that altar in response to the Lord appearing to him to affirm the promise. Abraham claimed that inheritance. And then we see further that Abraham's faith was demonstrated in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 9 through 10. Abraham, Isaac his son, Jacob, his grandson, would be foreigners in a foreign land living in tents. They would never possess visibly or realize the promise in their lifetimes. But as F.F. Bruce has stated to Abraham, the promise of God was as substantial as its realization Abraham was longing for the realization. And in longing for the realization, for what was he longing? We find this in verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward to the heavenly city, the ultimate fulfillment of that promise of an inheritance in a land. And by faith, Abraham obeyed and laid hold of the promise with assurance and confidence, as we considered last week in the definition of faith, that God would provide. For he considered God faithful to fulfill his promises. How did God's faithfulness operate in the lives of Abraham and Sarah? Look at verse 11. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now verse 11 is debated by scholars. Some take Abraham to be the subject of the verse. Others, like the translation in the ESV, take Sarah to be the subject of the verse. In light of verse 12, which refers to Abraham and his age and his inability naturally to bear a child. It seems like considering verse 11 to apply to both Abraham and Sarah is the best way to understand this passage. In fact, one scholar suggests this interpretation or translation. By faith, Sarah herself being barren, he, that is Abraham, received power to beget a child even after the natural season of life because he reckoned the one who gave the promise to be trustworthy. Well, irrespective of the subject of verse 11, the lesson is the same. Even though Abraham's natural ability to father a child had passed, he is equated with a man who is dead, having zero ability to father a child, verse 12, but by faith both Sarah and Abraham trusted God, since they considered him faithful, trustworthy, who had promised, and they trusted him for that supernatural power that Isaac would be born to them, and from Isaac descendants and from those descendants a people that could not be numbered the object of genuine faith today is the same their examples abraham and sarah's example should encourage us to live by faith since we too consider him faithful trustworthy who has promised trust god even when his call to lay hold of a promise and his provision to bring that promise about seem impossible to us to be realized. For he who promises is faithful. And the author has already led us to understand this truth about God back in chapter 6 and verses 17 through 18. I'll just read verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he who have fled by refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. The writer of Hebrews applied this to Abraham fleeing to the refuge who was faithful to lay hold of that promise of a land, of an inheritance, and of a son. And Abraham and Sarah and the writer of Hebrews encourages us today to do the same, to flee to that refuge who is faithful, to fulfill all of his covenant promises to us that one day we might possess them really. Genuine faith is a gift whereby God enables us to consider him faithful that we might trust him. And then secondly, the persistence of faith is, is illustrated in the five Old Testament saints that we have already considered thus far in chapter 11, in particular, Abraham and Sarah. We see, we see this in verses 13 through 16. Let me read verse 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. You know, sometimes we just need to turn back. Renee and I were on a trip to Montana several years ago when we visited Glacier National Park. Renee kept telling me at one outing during that Visit, she kept telling me, I think you need to turn back. And I kept persisting in not turning back. We were searching for a lake with a hiking trail around it that was in one of the entrances to Glacier that would uh, take one into the backcountry of the park where all the bears seemed to be roaming. And so we were on a very rough road and I kept driving and driving and driving and driving and Renee kept saying, I think we need to turn back and I persisted in not turning back. And we wound up at a lake. I have no idea if there was a trail around it because Renee wouldn't get out of the car because of the clientele at that lake. And it was about three miles from the Canadian border. Kent Law Lake, in case you're wondering. Well, you know, sometimes you just need to turn back. It really depends on of what are you being persistent. Are you persistent in the right thing? The author of Hebrews tells us that Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah... And really this applies to the other 11 saints that we find in chapter 11. All received the promise, but they died not having received the thing's promise. Look at verse 13. Their persistence in never turning back from laying hold of the promise was faith in God whom they considered faithful, not in their ability to understand the promise. And the realities of the promise. In other words, they persisted for the right thing. The author states in verse 13, They were strangers and exiles. Fulfillment was not for them in this life. But they saw the promises and they greeted them, the text tells us, from afar. Meaning that they embraced them. They embraced the promise that they had received as if it was fulfilled again, we recall the the quote that I read earlier. To Abraham, the promise of God was as substantial as its realization. And in verse 14, the author asserts that they were seeking a homeland. The term homeland typically means the the home of one's father. And so, so for Abraham and Sarah, that would be Haran or perhaps Ur, the Chaldeans. If Abraham and Sarah had been thinking of of Haran as this, this homeland for which they were seeking, they would have surely turned back, but they didn't. There was no turning back for them because they were persistent in the right thing. They were persistent to keep on living by faith, in receiving the promise, and being persistent in believing that God would fulfill this promise of a better country, a better homeland, a heavenly one, notes our author. Though the realization of this promise of this better country was not for their lifetime on earth, yet the patriarchs, Abraham and Sarah, believed. The patriarchs were so sure of realizing this promise even though they died before its fulfillment, that they staked everything on it. They were faithful. They were persistent in faith, even unto death. They persisted. No turning back for the right thing. And the text tells us further this type of genuine faith. As we saw last week, God, God commends genuine faith that is, that is possessed and exercised by His people. And today we find the person who possesses and exercises genuine faith, God says, I am not ashamed to be called your God. Think of the scriptures that speak of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Because this type of faith is persistent in taking God at his word. For he has prepared for them a city and the patriarchs persisted, no turning back, in that promise one day being realized. They staked everything on God's faithfulness to keep His promise of a better country. And may we persist in faith unto death. Like these examples that we find in chapter 11, by by possessing and exercising genuine faith, a a faith that is persistent, a faith that never turns back in taking God at His word, a, a faith that stakes everything on the promises of God, in particular the promise of a better country that one day we will all realize the promise in full heaven. And as we do, as we live this way with such a persistent faith that takes God at his word, God will say of us, I am not ashamed to be called their God. Genuine faith is a gift whereby God enables us to consider him faithful that we would trust him and to keep on trusting him to persist even unto death. And thirdly, the invincibility of faith is demonstrated in Abraham's test of faith, the the, the blessings given to Isaac, Jacob, and thirdly, Joseph's request for his bones to be buried in Canaan. We'll find this in verses 17 through 22. So back in my high school days, I I worked at, at McDonald's. I mentioned this before. It's a really interesting place to work. And so one of my managers would often become so frustrated with another employee because th- this employee ju- just seemed to constantly disobey the manager. It was as if he wasn't listening. And one day the manager, he, he just, his patience wore out and he, he said to this employee after yet another episode of not doing what the boss said the manager said son when i say jump your only response is how high your opinion what you understand about what i'm asking you to do your preferences with regards to doing it the emotional state you might have as I ask you to do it, is of no concern. Do your job. When I say jump, your response is how high? So too must our faith response be. An invincible faith that does not question, does not wobble, does not doubt, does not seek to reconcile or understand all that God might be doing is invincible even in the face of circumstances that may make no sense to us whatsoever that are difficult even impossible we are called to a faith that is demonstrated by these words when God says jump we readily say how high Verses 17 through 18, the author recounts Genesis chapter 22, where God tested Abraham's faith. We looked at Genesis 22 when we studied chapter 6. And here we are again looking at Genesis 22, with Abraham's faith being tested, where God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the son of promise, Isaac. Now, Isaac was irreplaceable as the only son. It was through Isaac that the promises would be received and fulfilled. Verse 18, given this, wouldn't you think that the natural emotions of a father being, being asked to, to put his son to death, that it, that it would be natural for, for Abraham to just kind of reflect on that, maybe to express a bit of the depths of his despair and anguish? And don't you think that somewhere in, in Scripture, especially in Genesis 22, that, that, that we might see some notation, maybe even a footnote that, you know what, this was really hard for Abraham. He, he was in a terrible struggle of, of faith. I mean, w- one would think there would be some recognition of this unthinkable command that God gave to Abraham, but the scriptures are absolutely silent on how Abraham understood this, his emotional state, any questions. The account reads, God said jump and Abraham said how high. Abraham shows no sign of struggle with trying to reconcile God's command in light of the prohibition against human sacrifice or God's command in light of the absolute necessity of Isaac surviving, that the promises may be inherited by the future generation, he hears the command and he readily obeys. The magnitude of what God asked him to do or how he understood it or what he thought about it did not hinder him. And I see this as pointing to the fact that Abraham's faith was invincible. These dramatic and drastic circumstances did not shake his faith. What seems unthinkable to us did not deter Abraham. His faith, in another way of putting it, was rock solid. And one commentator made a very really insightful comment, any inconsistencies to, to reconcile What God had commanded Abraham, this commentator said, was was not Abraham's problem, but God's. Quote, so when the command was given, Abraham promptly set about obeying it. His own duty was clear. And God could safely be trusted to to discharge his responsibility in the matter. Abraham's responsibility was to obey, not to reconcile the command of God with the circumstances of which he found himself. In verse 5, Abraham told the servants, "We will come back to you." In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, we learn that Abraham believed indeed that God would raise his son Isaac from the dead. And in that sense, when a substitute was made for Isaac, it was as if Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham's faith was proven genuine. It was proven invincible because when God said jump, Abraham said, how high. Genesis twenty-two sixteen through 18. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, such invincible faith in Isaac's blessing of Jacob. Look at verse 20. Jacob, as you very well know, deceived his father into getting this uh, blessing. And Jacob, indeed, gave the greater blessing to the younger son, Jacob. You know, Isaac could have corrected this, but he didn't. And the author of Hebrews takes this as a step of faith, of invincible faith that what any upstanding father would do is to correct such an error so that the elder son would get the greater blessing. But as a function of faith, Isaac's faith being rock solid in God and God's purposes and God's plan blessed Jacob and did not correct it, that the promises might be fulfilled through him or be received through him. Jacob, too, demonstrated invincible faith. I mean, Jacob, in in some respects, you may be thinking, is not exactly the greatest example of faith. His name means deceiver, and he was really good at deceiving. But yet, by faith, uh, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons, even blessing the younger above the older And then you may be thinking, what in the world is verse 22 referencing with with Joseph's bones? Again, I think another example of this invincible faith that Joseph, believing as if he already had the promises fulfilled in his lifetime, which he surely didn't, he was in Egypt, yet he was so sure of the exodus, so sure that that the people of God would possess the land that he said, and when you leave, would you please take my bones with you to bury them with my fathers. May our faith be as invincible. May our faith be reflected in having no doubt with what God is asking us to do, having no questions challenging what God asks us to do. No struggle with trying to reconcile. Wait a minute, God, you're calling me to do this, but what about these circumstances? No struggle with reconciling the promises with our circumstances. We leave that to God. No matter the circumstances, when God commands, when God says jump, may we readily say, How high, Lord. Genuine faith is a gift whereby God enables us to consider Him faithful that we would trust Him. To keep on trusting Him, even unto death, and to readily trust Him no matter the circumstances. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask you to continue to strengthen our faith Father, we thank you for these examples of faith, this hall of faith that is in your word. We thank you, Father, that that we can look at them and their examples of faith, but really what we're looking at is your faithfulness to your people. Would you ever cause us to stand firmly, On you, our faithful God, and that we would trust you, Father in heaven, that we would keep on trusting you, that we would be persistent for the right things, your promises, and that heavenly Father, that we would readily trust you no matter the circumstances. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.